Those don't haven't touch, been sanitized. The blue one's the safe one. Yeah. Are you sure? No. No. <laughs> the blue one was Micatron's. Yeah, it's a little yellowed at the end. Note <laughs> yourself and never use the orange one ever again. Nope, that's why, I, that's why the orange one is mine. That's like taking Easily a bite identi- out of both cookies, one in each hand. Like, you can't have them. <laughs> yep. These things so. are more disgusting than the fucking bean bags it packs. Oh, no. No, they're not. No, no they're not, because none of us have... Herpes. <laughs> Hopefully. Or so. Joel's like, Joel's <laughs> like uh, wait a minute. None of us have obvious mouth herpes. Shoop's going to be like, to uh, what about of the eye? Is yeah, that, is okay. that kosher? Don't put your eyes on the mic. It's good. It's good. So, no. What if I've already done that? <laughs> I farted on the mic and gave Joel pink eye. <laughs> yeah, how does that work? No. Science says no. <laughs> Andy does love some Andy. It's like you're inside of my head. What is your fascination with Peters? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Dear future me, don't go to the courthouse. The Ladies moral of the story is don't leave your martial arts equipment and your other coat in a parallel dimension. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. <laughs> I'm Andy and I like every comic that's ever been made. I would not go to Jonathan Frakes booth because I would get space herpes. And now, your hosts, Luke Matthews. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Andy Padel. He's not like Mr. Fantastic who's like, oh, the solution to the antimatter problem is that we need to bring Galactus into this universe. Blah, 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 blah. And Bean. He can just only draw certain angles or halves of faces, and unfortunately, they don't happen on the same panel. Matt Shoop. I had vowed that I'll never play another MMO again because I've got work to do. Shit. The, Oops. We, we might have problems. And Joel Simon. Honestly, like Jubilee, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I choose the scrappy do of the X Men. Welcome, everybody, to episode 35 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Luke Matthews, and I am joined by the usual crew of Andy Padel. Oh, hi. Joel Simon. What's up? And Bean. Hello. And special guest from the After the Fact podcast, Matt Shoup, is joining yeah, us for this woo. show. Aptly wearing an intern t-shirt. Um, the gray hair gives it away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the tech industry. Our interns have gray hair. <laughs> How you doing, Shoup? Up here from California for a weekend. <laughs> so it, California is much warmer. This place is fucking cold. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh shit! Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> you did the warm thing for like three months, and that was weird. Yeah, yeah, it's not okay. A- Eighty-five days without rain. I know. What is that? Except for that one really pathetic shower there was like, that it pissed for a second. It was like, okay, fuck <laughs> your record. I'm out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. uh I am I am not entirely awake for this show. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie. So uh, so I might, it might be a little forty. It might be a little chaotic, but we'll we'll go ahead and start like we always do by talking about what people are reading. Uh, we'll start with you, Shoop, since uh, I I don't even know if you read comic books on a regular basis right now. But um, have you read anything recently other than Mice Templar? Uh, no, actually, I haven't been reading much uh, comic books down in Silicon Valley lately. I I was reading a lot more. What oh, you're too good for him. I see. I Whatever. have been reading a lot of my Kindle lately, though. Uh, lots of different stuff. I highly suggest the Vorko Segan saga. If anybody's ever read that, uh, it, funny story about how I started reading it. I was looking around in OKCupid for girls, of course, uh, and I found this girl who was awesome, amazing, and she said oh, the, her favorite books were the Vorkin Sega Saga. Never heard of them. Looked them up. Started reading them. Now they're my favorite books. I finished the saga, 13 books in two months. Highly suggested to everybody. Cool. S- still have not got the girl to respond to me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You got the books. It's got cool. the books. It's good. You Can really we... got the better part of that deal, I'm yeah, assuming. I so. <laughs> this is kind of back to back to Disney films. Beauty and the Beast. What should have happened is she should have kicked out the beast, taken the library. The library was the fucking shit. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, Anne? What are you reading right uh, now? I totally, I totally read stuff. I read multiple things. I read a lock and key one shot. 
that was fantastic. Oh, was it the Omega? Is it Omega? Was that EQ? Something like that. Something like that. Anyway, this is the part where I didn't actually write down the title of it, but it, it was it was Damn. a short story and then a bunch of random craziness at the end. But uh, it it was highly worth it. It's yeah. set before. The, it's before the people move in. Before the people move in, it's <laughs> maybe seventies or some sixties. Seventy two. Okay, there you go. Andy oh, Fidel. Brain, brain is just going. I'm like, okay, think, think, think. Yeah, it, oh, has got to interrupt. He did just read a comic book. Actually, oh. he just read Anne Bean's comic book this oh, morning. Oh, that's uh, true. That's true. Yeah, uh, I highly suggest everybody got to try it out. It's very. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it. It's, it's very. It's very. <laughs> it's very. Yeah. And you should try it for that reason. Called the bird and the sausage. It's uh, a retelling of a Grimm's fairy tale, and. It's not that far off the original tale, which is <laughs> troubling. Based on a bird and a sausage. <laughs> the original tale is called The Mouse, the Bird, and the Sausage. And it's sort of like in the, in the canon of Grimm's Tales, that are like cute animal tales where everyone dies horribly, um, of which there are a disturbing number, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of them, but modernized with delightful drawings by Ben Horak, who is an up-and-coming Seattle cartoonist. Real physical comics. Yeah. Real physical comic books that you wrote. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. I someday will maybe have other people publish my work and I won't just be down at Perfect Copy and Print in Capitol Hill, which I highly recommend. They're cheap. (laughs) (laughs) But there you go. Cool. So aside from Lock and Key and my own damn comic, uh, I which email or tweet at me if you want a copy of my comic because right now the only place we're selling it is Short Run which is a indie comics festival um, I'll probably sell it at Emerald City Comic Con too but or Anne's Bedroom yes if you come to my house I will give you comics or if your name is Dolby I re- won't really f- sell them out of my bedroom <laughs> I'm an adult I have an office um, what's wrong with your bedroom Shoop had to Shoop had to run the creepy route because that's yeah. uh, that's what he does yeah Shoop the molestash. <laughs> um, I don't have it on today. No, just no. You, uh, you keep what, it four days. You keep yeah. it in your bathroom. It just puts the bird and it's the sausage in a whole new light. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, cool. Uh, so, what is short run? Short run is uh, like it's at the Vero Project next weekend. Um, might just be Saturday. Might be Saturday Sunday. I don't know. That's kind of embarrassing, but oh well. Um, it's like indie comics and small press stuff. Cool. So hopefully you sell out. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> of your comic. What about you, Joel? What are you reading right now? Uh, just the usual BS. So, <laughs> no, running through running through X Force and then um, uh, reading Ultimate Ultimate Comics to uh, X Men, the Avengers, or the Ultimates, not the Avengers, the Ultimates and the the Ultimate Ultimates, the Ultimate Ultimates. Yeah, pretty much, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, Winter Soldier, and so it, I don't know. It's something to pass the time. Nothing really good. Um, yep, pretty much. Yep. You could, you know, you could read good comics. Just, just a thought. There's a bunch of them out there. Uh, really? <laughs> wow. No, I mean, I mean, there, there are trades and everything, but I don't know. I, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for the end of like Avengers versus X Men to be collected, and so I could find out what happened. Just to find out what happened. Like I'm saying, there's <laughs> they punched each Andy's other. Andy's giving you why don't you yeah. touch issues face right now? <laughs> yeah. What you have that? You're the reason that we can't have good things. I I know this. I understand that. I I grovel. No, you are. I grovel. You're the reason. No, actually, he's the reason we can't have good things. You're the reason why there's so many bad things. <sighs> <laughs> Bag- I hate this, but I'm still buying Bag it. Bag eat one. Fuck this comic book. It's so bad, but I'm still buying it. That's that's Andy in a nutshell. I like everything. <laughs> Except Neil Gaiman. Except Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Andy. So I uh, hadn't been to my local comic store in six weeks. Um, and the accumulation of all of my baggage. <laughs> your shelf broke. No, no, no. It was uh, it was about three hundred dollars worth of comics. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which was pretty impressive. It included um, everything. The, no, just, no, it's just it, everything in the shop. Some notable highlights included the new uh, hardcover of Criminal Volume Two, Ooh. which yes. is um, Last of the Innocents, uh, Bad Night Out, and uh, fuck, I can't remember what the third 
the fourth arc of the series, is, which yeah. is the first one and the new one. Um, also, Incognito was collected in got trade. Got that as well. Um, I got four issues of Crossed, about six or seven X-Books, <laughs> um, two volumes of Bleach, which finally ended the uh, R&Car saga, which has been going on for three years, uh, and the new arc started up. Um, what the fuck else did I re- I basically bought a giant stack of stuff from my store, went home, and then read it over the next two hours. Um, Fatal. $300 uh, worth of comics. You didn't read anything in two hours you skimmed a bunch of stuff devoured <laughs> some, so, of us, some of us have a higher than third grade reading level luke and uh, can read relatively fast there, oh. there's a scene in an invader zim comic or in cartoon where Gur has gone insane and is like really logical and has decided he must go to the library and absorb all of the knowledge of humans so he has a sort of like jetpacky looking thing strapped to his back and he's gone into the library and is like absorbing all of the knowledge and that's kind of what I imagine that looked like. <laughs> Actually I use a knife and fork yeah. and you know <laughs> yeah, digest. Um what the hell like Brubaker's been on a really good kick as of late with all the stuff that he's written and while it is formulaic, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, oh new the the new hardcover powers came out also. Ooh. Yes. Um I have not finished that yet. That is the the last thing that I saved from my pile. Uh, and it's just, I love Powers. It's so good. Uh, yeah, I, I really get into it. Uh, I'm not as I'm not as I mean, we talked about it on the Powers episode. I'm not as hardcore about it. I like it, but there's some things about it that I that I don't like. But I also haven't gotten. I've gotten through the second hardcover, hardcover omnibus hardcover. Yeah. So I, I need to I need to read further. Clearly, but um, I'm still going to keep buying it because I like it. It's just something that's it's not top tier for me. Yeah. Um. What else? There was one other book. Like, eh, fuck, it doesn't matter. Yeah, really doesn't. I've been reading, uh, I read Grant Morrison's new book, Happy. Oh, that, that is um, good. Well, weird. Um, it's Grant Morrison. So it's it's interesting because it doesn't feel, <clears throat> one of the one of the problems that I have with it is, is it feels, um, for lack of a better term, like he's forced. trying too hard. Yeah, like it's forced. Like, um, and it just... I don't know. Grant Morrison hasn't really thrilled me the last few things of his that I've read. Um, I, and this one is just like, it It might be interesting. Like the last, I think the last really thing that he wrote that really, really interested me was We Three. But um, this one, I read the first issue and the hook didn't really hook me. It just <laughs> The hook seems- was like a, hey... Hey, yeah. Okay, that's the that's the thing. Ha 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 ha. So for those of you who haven't read it, it's um this mobster assassin guy basically uh who gets um gets fucked in a in a job and ends up in the hospital and uh while he's in the hospital supposedly starts hallucinating, but it's not really a hallucination about a a flying purple Unicorn. I still think it looks like a My Little Pony. It yeah. does. It it looks like a, a little a little bit no. derpy. But so wait, so wait. There's a Grant Morrison book where he hallucinates. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it turns out that it's not. I mean, if the hook is to be believed, it's not really a hallucination. It's some some Actual something is trying pony. to trying to. It's it's a child's imaginary friend trying to recruit this mobster to go help. The child who is in, like, I don't know, kidnapped, kid, kidnapped by a serial killer, kidnapped huh. by a serial killer, and the for some reason the mobster is the only other person that can see the imaginary friend. I dig it. Um, interesting. Plus one to pony <clears throat> banding. Yeah, interesting concept. Um, I'm not. I'll probably buy a couple more issues and see how it turns out. It it, eh, it's okay. Well, it's only four issues. Okay, well maybe I'll buy the the run. I read Uncanny Avengers. Um, really enjoying it. I like I like Remender's I mean, amazing. Remender Remender Cassidy combined by our powers combined we will make amazing comic books. Is it, like Is it good? Uh, yeah. It is really good. It's, yeah. Um is, has Remender written anything you didn't like? You wouldn't remember it. Remender and Tachini are are uh pairing up again for a sci-fi book called Low. Ooh. Looks really good. Um 
So, uh, but yeah, Uncanny Avengers is good. It's one of the. It's it's. I had literally dropped every Marvel book that I that I read except for uh, Icon stuff, and and the Marvel some of the Marvel Now books are pulling me back into it. Um, and I also, uh, thanks to Joel's good graces, having gone to uh, New York City Comic Con, he brought me back uh, one of the con exclusive Ashcan copies of the first issue of Cullen Bunn's new book uh, Helheim. Um, it is a Norse. Uh, like Norse historical tale with um with magic and stuff in it. It's 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 actually really good. It's about it's basically about a father and son who uh the the this particular book is them being chased down by a horde of some sort of uh, um bar barbarians, but like yeah. necromancers kind of and um and at the Subtle. at the end of the book um they find out that the sons. Spoiler for everybody, you want to fast forward about 45 seconds or a minute. Uh, they find out <laughs> Andy's uh, closing his ears. I'll let you read it. Yeah. Uh, am, am I good? <laughs> no. No? Okay. <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't. Uh, I no, won't talk about the spoiler. The, the end of the book is is really good. It's an interesting twist. It's uh, it's yeah. drawn by Joel Jones, who. Um, no offense to Joel Jones, most of her stuff has not been very like uh, mainstream. Like she's done a lot of good stuff, but it's um, it's all been a lot of indie work. Her artwork is that's not an offensive thing. No, it's uh, I I just don't know if people if I say Joel Jones, I don't know if people will know who she is. Uh, they will now though, um, which is awesome because her artwork is spectacular in this book. She's um, I got introduced to her at Stumptown actually. Cool where we bought a piece of her original art and uh, saw some of the books that she's done before. She's um, Her art in this book is great. Uh, the book that Joel brought back for me was an ash can, so it's all in black and white. I can't wait to see it in color. Cool. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, but I'm, I'll read damn near anything that Colin Bunn writes. Um, he hasn't always, he has, doesn't have a perfect track record with me. His run on Superman, Batman was kind of meh. But, it's because DC sucks. Well, that's true. Um, uh, but he's not here to. No, th- th- I, I can just crap all over <laughs> Superman and Batman. <laughs> fucking, I don't, I don't even need to for Aquaman. He's just like, eh, yeah. my bad, power to summon fish is of no use. Yeah. What if he summons the salmon of wisdom? Will <laughs> be very helpful to mice. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I mean that's what I'm reading. Helheim's going to be awesome once it actually comes out. Uncanny Avengers is spectacular, and will probably get me into some of the other uh, Marvel Now books. I plan on picking up new, um, all new X Men, which I actually wanted to talk about for a minute because it it is they have found a way to bring Jean Grey back. Oh, of God. course, uh, all new X Men looks interesting. It's written by uh, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, drawn by Stuart Eminen, uh, people that I really like, and. The the premise is um, Beast goes back in time to the original goddamn time bullets. <laughs> yeah, Beast Beast goes back in time to when the original X Men were formed. Andy's weeping right now, and, just so you know. <laughs> and no one stays dead. Yeah, and recruits, it means nothing. Recruits the original five X Men to come forward in time to try and convince Scott Summers to not go ape shit. Um, Has that ever worked? Uh, probably not, but but Kitty Pride pulled it off. Yeah, but it okay. you know they figured out a way to they figured out a way to bring Jean Grey back. Of course, Wolverine uh, and Psylocke pulled it off to themselves. <laughs> what? <laughs> so have you read? You read that right? Yeah. So so wait a second. Does that mean that Phantom X who died is going to be coming back? Oh yeah. Oh. But he's dead. They got him with the anti-regenerating poison so he can't regenerate his wounds and then ripped his heart out, which means he's dead, right? He has two hearts. You want to know the best? uh, (laughs) All of the hearts. He's a time lord. Uh, (laughs) You want to know what the best joke that Marvel has ever played on anyone Mm. is titling a book Consequences? (laughs) Because, yeah, that doesn't work. So there is one book that I'm, I'm... this will actually feed into Luke's whole I buy stuff that's crap. Uh, Avengers Arena. Are you guys familiar with this at all? It what? sounds like no. uh, that claymation show that used to be on MTV. It's, <laughs> it's fucking Battle Royale. The logo even looks like the Battle Royale logo. Oh, God. And the cover of the first issue looks exactly like the Battle Royale cover where it's got all the students and a couple of them have been X'd out. Wow. So like a bunch of like, um, oh, God, the... 
Young Avengers, Runaways, uh, a bunch of the teenage characters are kidnapped and I guess put in the mojo world where they have to kill each other. <laughs> wow. Well, you gotta grow up now. Yeah. That's Fucking welcome to the real done. world, kids. We have to find a way to capitalize on the Hunger Games phenomenon. <laughs> we have to find a way to get rid of all these teen characters that we have who are never going to grow up because right. no one ever ages. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So the um yeah I mean Kitty Pride has been twenty two for thirty years. Yeah. The Marvel Now stuff looks good though so far. It the is a the Marvel creative now teams the creative teams are pretty good. For oh the most yeah, part. no, like it, it's the only one that the only one that I'm not thrilled about really. There's two that I'm not thrilled about. X Men Legacy. I'm not really who cares. And the new Iron Man book by Kieran Gillen and Greg Land. I'm like Kieran Gillen is good. He's all right. He's not. I mean, um, I didn't even know that he was like until last week. I didn't even know that he was basically a fairly famous video game journalist for a long time that uh, worked for Eurogamer and a few others, and has won all kinds of awards for journalism. and And now he's a comic book writer. And not that I care because most of the stuff I've read by him has been uh, slightly above average, but not spectacular. Um, Cable and X Force looks interesting. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah. Colossus killing people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Cable not dead. We'll see. Even though he got ripped apart by time know, itself. And, it, and it's it's so funny because um because we were talking about X Force. I have another friend who's a fan of X Force. He got into the Chris Yost run and then it went to Remender and he didn't really like the Remender run. And I think mainly it's because Rick Remender's whole thing is that he takes he he does the other world thing where they go to a, either a different alternate reality or something like that? So or the future or the future. So I can see, I can see with uh, a slightly with, shittier alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> I can see the Uncanny Avengers going to some other world here pretty soon or some other mm. planet. I don't just know. Wait for it. He, <laughs> he just can't stay in like normal reality. What's the other Remender? Uh, oh, uh, Captain America. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's taking over for Brubaker. He's taking over Brubaker's really? run, which is another thing that I wanted to bring up. Eight Ed, Ed, Bru- yeah, Ed Brubaker just ended an eight-year run on Captain America. Which is pretty long. One of, the longest, uh, one of the longest single creator runs on a Marvel book ever. Um, um, Chris... Oh, my Claremont. God. Claremont. Claremont's run on X-Men, I think, is the longest-running Marvel one. Yeah. Um... And uh, so, yeah, it's being t- it's transferring over to the new Captain America, the Marvel Now one, is another book that I'm planning to pick up because it's Remender and J- John Romita Jr. And um, I'm not a I've never been a huge Captain America JR, fan, JR. but um, I, I like Remender a lot, and I'm willing to follow a creator rather than a character. So um, I haven't been a Captain America fan either, but Brubaker's run on it got me into it i've read some of brubaker's run i've got one of the big captain america omnibus uh hardcovers that has a bunch of brubaker's stuff in it and it's uh i've read some of it it's pretty good it's pretty good stuff um and i read a little bit of the run uh the first few issues of the run that he did with um steve mcniven yeah um and that book was so talented yeah really good and that's why i actually dropped that book was because mcniven stopped drawing it and i was like and the artist that they got to take over was fucking terrible so i i don't mind i don't mind them switching around artists but jesus christ if you're gonna go from steve mcniven you better get somebody that can step up to the plate instead of some fucking shitty fill-in piece of shit jobber yeah right so so but yeah i'm kind of sad but it seems like brubaker's doing well enough for himself yeah yeah i think he's got things covered yeah (laughs) it it seemed like marvel was just kind of like his day job and then he could he had all these side projects that he was doing Mm -hmm. and Soon the side projects started becoming the criminal, fatal, incognito. Yeah, um, I don't know what else he's working on now. I know that there was a couple of TV projects they sold, said he sold. Like he sold a crime project to, I think I made this joke already, but he sold a crime project to Fox, which is kind of a shame because I would have actually liked to have seen it. <laughs> but <laughs> so and, did, and, did, <laughs> and didn't I see that uh, Bendis has given up uh, Avengers? I guess that's yes. why Remender's given it over. Yeah, Bendis is. Uh, there's there was another one that that's ending too. Another another creator is moving, but I know that like Kelly Sue DeConnick is doing an Avengers book now, and um, and Ghost and Ghost. So Matt Fraction is doing Hawkeye. I don't know what else. I think Defenders got canceled, which makes me sad. Yeah, who's Ghost? It's uh, an old DC or old Image. Dark Horse character. Okay. Dark, Dark Horse. Horse. Dark Horse. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so another news. Can I move on to other news? Sure. Go ahead. Um, the 
the trailer for Avent- uh, Iron, Iron Man 3, 3 came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a lot of there's a There lot was of stuff a trailer in- for the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> there was a trailer for the trailer. This is yeah. this is the third sign of the apocalypse. There is a trailer <laughs> no. for a fucking trailer. Oh, it's not the, the third, third sign. Of, that is not the third sign of the apocalypse. The fact that Ben Kingsley is the Mandarin is the third sign of the apocalypse. Yeah, that's one thing. And he really? sounds like Bane, too. I was, I was I, I I see I haven't seen Batman Returns, but What's I heard, that you say? Yeah. Hold the mic closer to my mouth. <laughs> yeah. But there there's some interesting stuff in it. So I guess there a lot of stuff there's the red, white and blue Iron Man suit that comes out and people are wondering if it's Iron Patriot or Detroit Steel. So it's got to be, be Iron Detroit, Patriot. No, Detroit Steel. Uh. Now, see, here's the thing. They can't well, do Iron Patriot clear. because that's Norman Os- Osborn, and that's a Spider-Man property, yeah. and that's owned by oh, another yeah. company. Okay. So they can't use that. Now, here's the thing, though, is that one of the characters in there, Guy Pierce, is supposed he's supposed to be Killian. He's the guy that creates the extremist virus. Right. Which is through the whole extremist thing. So it seems like they're going to go through... There was a bunch of rumors already that fall. this was going to be based on extremists yeah. To, yeah. to some... The fall of degree. Iron Man. And I can see in the trailer that they have the Iron Man suits blow up. And so Iron Man's going to be gone and try to you know go on this vision quest. Which So it's Batman Begins. Yeah. Well... Only the third movie in a series instead of the Watching first. Watching Detroit Steel yeah. get killed by Gargoyle made me so happy because I hated that fucker so much. <laughs> yeah, it's douchebaggy. Anyway, um, so they, I can see how they do the extremist things. Yeah, these... You, yeah, Par- Paris is Anna gone Schubert in the Marvel just Universe, completely. just so to let you know. I've seen the Iron Man movies, and <laughs> yeah. I read some small part of the ultimate Iron Man. So, Could so, you speak with more of a Wisconsin accent? Because that would be super... You know, here in Middle America, we don't get all your fancy superhero looks. <laughs> we have to make do with what comes through the multiplex. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's I, amazing. I love it. But it's it's more, it seems like this one's going to be the fall of Iron Man, which is kind of a strange for the third movie. But Extremis, and I can see him going through and retooling himself with the extremist virus. Isn't that Vonnegut, the, hero, the hero's journey? You build them up and build them up, then tear them down, and then you build them up again? I... I there was one no. thing about the hero's journey. It might have been Vonnegut. You get your character up a tree, throw rocks at them, and then get them back down. But, yeah. Okay. It's what? So that's the Vonnegut hero's journey. That's his, his summary of it. Yeah. Okay. I think it would be a bad idea to assume that the, this is going to be a trilogy, especially. Yeah, I think it's going to be six movies. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh so yeah, definitely. If if he has a retooling, it's completely fine. If there's more than three movies, there's going to be more shit. They which, can which use is the kind extremist of virus as an excuse to make him look like another actor when they replace when they replace uh, the guy that I'm Robert totally blank. Thank yeah. you, Jesus Robert Christ! Downey. I was trying to think of another Robert to have in there just to get you to agree. <laughs> Robert Redford, You're like Robert Plant. <laughs> um, Robert yeah. Smith. Robert Palmer. Yes. <laughs> now he should be the new Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we have been reading the first trade of the Mice Templar. It's called Prophecy. It is uh, was released in 2007 by is it Icon? Brian K. Glass. Is it Image. I- Image. <laughs> by Image, it was uh, written by Brian J.L. Glass and uh, drawn by Michael Avon Emming. It was created by the two of them. And... <clears throat> Fairly long-running series. It's in its fourth uh, volume now. Um, after this, this per- first trade was drawn by Emming, and then it got taken over by Victor Santos, who has a very, very similar style to Emming's. Um, it is, as Andy has proven, frequently uh, confused with M- Mouse Guard. <laughs> I, I still like. I just reread it, and I still mix up the storylines. Yeah. And I don't know why, because they're very different. <laughs> but they came out at the same time, like. Other than the fact that they are stories about mice holding swords, there is a really nothing in common between the two books. <laughs> nothing really? at all. I mean, the art styles are drastically different. Mice Templar is like super sharp, while uh, Mouse Guard is like this really soft, fine, you it's know, very illustrated kids style. It's booky, like in the, it can in the like, be. classical kids book style. It's not in its subject matter, right. but in the, just in the art style. Yeah, but I'm like... I don't know. Maybe I am just incapable of distinguishing one story about mice Templars from another story about my soldiers. It's just like it's a, it's a mouse with a sword. Okay, that's obvious. Ah, fuck. Well, it's your own little form of racism. I'm a species. They all look alike to you. 
Um, speciesist, speciesist, or something. Speciest? Who knows? I think speciesist. Um, speciesist. Uh, it is for and and I'll I'll throw in a little plug for anybody that's listening to this show. During Emerald City Comic Con this earlier this year, we interviewed both uh, Brian Glass and Michael Emminghen. Both of them talked about this book a little bit. So feel free to. Uh, go back if you want a little uh, bonus material for this episode and listen to their, them talking about this. And Brian Glass actually did talk specifically about how they had developed, they, Michael Emming and he developed Mice Templar 100% independently of, of Mouse Guard because the two of them actually only came out about a month and a half apart. I think it was I think less than that. I think they kind of looked at each other and were like, what? Yeah. I think like previews popped up and it was Mouse Guard and Mice Templar in the same yeah. issue it's like wait well what you're doing Whoa. a book about my soldiers <laughs> Crap. fuck yeah and it's an idea whose time had come clearly so um mice templar is basically a very it's a high fantasy yeah. um of epic fantasy story uh, centering like, around mice it feels very like irish saga right um and it it centers around a group of of mice who's uh, whose village is destroyed by uh, an army of rats who are a clear enemy in this book. Um, and uh, the story of the Mice Templar, who were an, an ancient order of protectors for the mice at, at one time, who have since you know fallen apart and disbanded. And it follows a character named Carrick, who uh, falls in with a, an old Templar uh, soldier named Pilot, and begins learning uh, how to become a Templar himself. And, uh, God, it's really good. It's really good. It's like, take it away, because I, 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 this is, I'm all, I'm, I've seen the last few episodes to be on either side of the fence. I either really hate something and really like it, and people disagree with me. So I'm just going to let, let, I'll start with Andy, because he clearly has something a little less effusive than like, I to um, say. So while I do enjoy Mice Templar, um, there's something about it that I can't put my finger on where maybe it's just too much fantasy. Like, I mean, you've got, you know, ghosts and whatnot. Um, so with, let me break this down a little bit farther with mouse guard. It's much more based in the real, with the exception of, yeah, we're going to, for the sake of this argument, we're going to say, okay, let's accept the fact that mice can be armed with weapons and armor. Sure. That's just, we're going to take Willing that. suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Part of the world. Oh, cool. So with mouse guard, everything else is very much based in quote unquote reality. With Mice Templar, it goes a little bit more into the fantastic. And it's more like historical fantasy versus uh, high fantasy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what it is about Mice Templar, but I always get lost in it. Like, I don't know if it's just the fact that you've gone too far past, you know, what I can accept insofar as, like, when I'm thinking of, like, ghosts and, you know, like, singing fish and all this stuff, <laughs> that when you have two mice who are next to each other... I have a really hard time differentiating between the two. So, like, when I'm looking at panels, yeah, visually, like, I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, okay, I, it's a mouse soldier, but I'm so far, my mind is so far out there because of, like, you know, the ghosts and all that, that I, ha- I just can't drag it back to differentiate, like, uh, the one guy has only one arm, or I, I just don't notice stuff like that because I'm expecting these big, like, you know, pieces like the singing fish or um, the ghost... Oh, what the fuck is Are you it? saying does it, did, that it feels like Black Anias? Is that what you're trying to yeah. say? Is it that it feels like they're pulling it too far away from the, the actual characters? No, no, it's not the characters. It's just the the willing suspense, uh, or suspension of disbelief. Like, I've taken it so far out there. I'm like, okay, so there's ghosts in this world. So when I'm looking at a scene where just some mice are talking, I have a hard time differentiating between who's talking to who because I'm looking for these big differences like uh, Black Anis. Anias. Anias. Yeah. Um, fucking ghost house ghost thing <laughs> i don't know how to explain it unless you've read it um so when it goes back to the normal stuff i always lose track of who's who like i can't remember pilot from um the blacksmith guy who dies early on yeah yeah uh, uh dacian dacian um like yes he died but then you know a couple issues later i'll see a mouse and i'm like he like doesn't have a scar on his face or he's not missing it. um who is this uh uh yeah, I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of agree, but I don't think it. I don't necessarily think that it has a lot to do with, um, with you know, your suspension of disbelief being drawn out into the big. I think it's literally just an art thing. Um, agreed. They, agreed. They, um, that's one of the things that I think, and, and 
it's hard for me to it's hard for me to do this episode without comparing to Mouse Guard. So please bear with me that there's going to be some comparisons to Mouse uh. Guard. I think Mouse Guard does a better job of of differentiating the individual characters visually than this book does. So can I talk about that? Yeah, Even go ahead. It's sort of irrelevant, but I I saw a panel at uh, ECCC where the creator of Mouse Guard was talking about that specifically, and he did some stuff that like. I kind of head desked about because I was like, oh, that's so obvious. But at the same time, you don't see it. Like he, the colors, each character wears a specific color that corresponds with their personality traits. Mm-hmm. So the cautious one wears a yellow, the like fiery go get him one wears red, red. Uh, like the, mm-hmm. and it's subtle, but blue. it also drives home when you're looking at them. You don't like cognitively realize it, but you make that sort of in the back of your mind. You're like, okay, this guy's wearing red. It's this guy. So when you see a group of people, you're like red, yellow, blue. Okay, that's this character, this character, this character. Yep, yep I think it's smart. Goes back to our original racism points. The, uh, <laughs> it it actually does. We we don't read that many mouse comics, and so we don't read it. I read like six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't Agreed. make sweeping generalizations like that. Not in this group. <laughs> oh shit! Uh, but yeah, the uh, that is my biggest beef with this comic is that I cannot tell the difference between one mouse from another mouse from another See, mouse. No, go ahead. Sorry. The uh, I I've got other issues with the comic, but I, I think that that was uh, that was my biggest confusion point. All the other confusion points were minor and appropriate for the comic. This one was you could have fixed it. It would have been simple, and it would have made it a much more enjoyable experience if I could have just been able to tell which mouse is which mouse. I could. After a couple of panels, I could get which important mouse was which important mouse, but even the minor minor non-player characters, I could can't keep track of them. There's yeah. like seventeen mice children, I think. Well, that's I the think thing. There's two. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> I'm sure that like fifteen of them got eaten by that cat later on. They've all got different names. They all have different personalities, and actually, it's kind of important to keep track of if Elizabeth is different from the other girl. I can't remember the name. <laughs> But it's actually important because they have different character personalities. I know they're going to be important later, so I know I need to keep track of what they're doing and how they're interacting with people, not just what they're saying. Because if they just if they refer to them each time with their name, that'd be great. But they don't do that, and so I need the visual characteristic, and I don't yeah. have that. See, and I think that's the thing that David Peterson and Mouseguard does really, really well, and he understands that. So humans are. We're used to recognizing the differences in other human beings. We're not necessarily used to differentiating. Everyone's different Joel. Like for the longest, for the longest time, for the longest time, and I use this as a personal example. I have two cats that are that are half Siamese. They're both black and gray with um, <clears throat> with blue eyes. And for the longest time, a lot of people that I know couldn't differentiate them. They're very I've different. I've known you for ten years. I still can't. Yeah, they're. To me, they're very different because I live with them and I understand what they are. But most people can't understand the difference, and I think that that's, I think that that follows through with anthropomorphic comics like this. That you have to have, like what David Peterson does, you have to have those simple visual cues that are that are obvious and become unconscious to make people able to differentiate. Whereas Mice Templar, I think they did a really good job with their character designs. If you pay really close attention, you mm-hmm. know what Dacian's outfit looks like and what um, Pilot's outfit look like and who has the scar on their eye and who's missing an arm. And But those are all... Those are all details that I think would play really, really well if they were designed around human characters. But when you design them around mice characters, our brains just don't catch the minor differences. You need the obvious, like, big sweeping color differences to be able to just instinctively tell who is who. And I don't think, and that's a problem that I have with this book, too. I still really like the book, but it takes me a minute when I'm looking at any given page of of dialogue and people talking to each other i have to look at them for a second and be like okay who has the scar over his eye who has the weird painting on his left cheek who has the missing finger okay okay and then i once i clear that up then i can kind of follow it along but it's it becomes hard at some points to like you say the same thing to 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 just differentiate them on the fly right so I have another note about character design that I thought was interesting. So I come from the background of having gone through like a major Redwall books phase back in the day, mm-hmm. speaking of anthropomorphic stuff. And one thing that always sort of Lord bugged nice. me about the Redwall books was was per, like size. I was never, I mean, they're in their prose, so there are no pictures yeah. to speak of attached. There's some little like pictures at the beginning of chapters and such like. But I always was a little confused about size of things. I'm like, so really, 
it seems like the badger characters are these really huge things that completely intimidate the mice, but at the same time, like in some of the in the original Redwall Redwall book, there are horses, and that's really weird when you combine yeah. them with rats. And the mm-hmm. thing that I really liked about Mice Templar is that's completely addressed. Like, yes, huge, terrifying owl gods, like mm-hmm. giant friggin' snake that you have to fold the page out four times to see all of. Yeah. Um, and see, I, I that was think, satisfying. I think the exact opposite because when the rats when the rats come in, and when you think of field mice and how small field mice are, maybe an inch long, and then you have a rat which is can get eight to twelve inches long. Mm-hmm. They the they only outsize the mice in this book by maybe a, a little bit, maybe a head or a shoulder, but they're not that big. A little more than that. I, you, I, thought, so. I thought it was I fine. I think it's about twice, but I can see your point where it's it's not to the extent of what real life is like. Yeah, or what real life, or there's weasels in there, which which weasels are much, much bigger than mice. Yes. But but they're they're about maybe a little bit smaller. I yeah, felt and half small. again is... Half, yeah, no, half again like, is big. They're like three heads taller than the rat, but that wouldn't be as much as in real life. Yeah. Uh, no, there's they go up to the garden. The weasel is about as big as the, the I, rat is. I think also the weasel's hunched over in that yeah. particular. One of the, that's about the same size as the rats. See, yeah. one of the things no, that I feel, felt about the rats is that they um, they didn't they were inconsistent with the size differences. And yeah. I'll show you an example. There's um, there's an early example of the size difference when it's just two rat soldiers here. Fighting, uh, fighting off some mice, and they're significantly larger, right? Yeah. They are they're easily like two, two and a half times yeah, as large as the big. mice. He's in the first book but where then, he's doing the attack on the town. Yeah, and then later on in that same issue, when uh, when the rat grabs Dacian's arm, their size isn't nearly that distinctively different. Like yeah. the rat is maybe only a, like you said a head taller than Dacian, and I. It, it, but even it, smaller domesticated rats are three times as big as rats. Yeah, and as then mice. You, you go yeah. about the wild rats that you know aren't domesticated, and those things are eight to ten times as as big. And you got fucking New York sewer rats, exactly. and those son of a, a bitches rat would just king. eat the whole fucking village themselves. Exactly. Well, it, there's that, and the the weasels too, which I know weasels are much longer than than mice are, but you know it's like oh, he's just a little bit taller. Maybe. You know, so so is this a suspension of disbelief just to make it work? No, well, maybe, but then other animals that aren't, other animals that aren't, uh, you know, um, smart, I guess, like the, like the owls or the bat or something like How that. How big is that kind of spider? normal size? Yeah, the, the spider, spider that comes in is like it's the size of my face. It, yeah, it, it, it bigger than that. Are you kidding me? There's it's the size of there's Luke. Like there, one mouse. If you if you figure mice real life size two two and a half inches long, uh, one mouse was the size of. Was smaller than the spider's abdomen, yeah. so we are literally talking a spider that is like a, a foot piece, and a half a across pizza, a, a pizza-sized pizza. spider, um, and that's where that's where I accept the the fantasy element of it. Like, I agree with you that the size differentiations between things like mice and rats and uh, and weasels and all the things that should be more different, like when you know you see owls, owls are about the right size for yeah. the prey that they're going the after. Cat. Yeah, the cat's about the right size, but then the spider to me, um, it's one of those crazy ass Australian bird spiders. Uh, something, yeah. We're well, we're either thinking that or you know, like we we accept when we watch Lord of the Rings or read Lord of the Rings, we accept that there is a spider that is you know four times the size of a yeah. human being. This is one of those things where maybe this spider is Shelob? a f- shellob. Yeah, is, is not a fantasy. Is not a realistic element. It's a fantasy element where, you know, if you're going to have singing fish and ghosts, well, maybe you also have giant spiders. May- the one thing that they need to do when they have those though is give another frame of reference for size. Like if they show that spider, like they show a cat. Mm. And they show the size comparison of the cat and the and the mouse, and that's fairly realistic. And then maybe show the spider come in, scare off the cat because it's actually bigger than the cat. Then we get that in our heads. We're like, oh, okay, this spider a is a fantasy element that's spider. different and it's bigger. And but it, yeah, when I first saw the spider too, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, how big is this spider? Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of puts it in perspective. And then the rats come in, and the rats are smaller than the spider. Like, oh, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That's a big bloody spider. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just reminded me, that reminded me of the episode, of the, the, the new version of The Twilight Zone, 
where these kids go to their dad's scientific lab who's been working with growth hormones <laughs> and they get in there and they find a mouse that's as big as a dog, <laughs> right? But it's dead and they're like, what the hell? And they're going farther and then they see this cat that's as big as like an elephant <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, obviously the the cat killed the mouse, but what the fuck killed the cat? <laughs> And then they're, you know, they're farther into the complex and they find this dog that's just the size of a house. And they're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Wait, what, what killed the dog? Let's get the fuck out of here. And they're going up this elevator shaft and you see this giant ass spider slowly going down the elevator <laughs> shaft. <laughs> that's what you need. You need frames of reference. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and then there's the goofy principle where why, why do these... What are these ma- mice and rats and everything are, can talk and have all this language, but yet other animals don't? Mm-hmm. So why? Goofy yeah. versus Pluto. Yeah. Um, like the spider didn't really talk, but who else didn't talk? The cat. cat. Cats don't talk. Mm. The owl was a god. Yeah. But the other yeah. owls. I felt like the cat was sort didn't. of a mythological figure too. The bat, the bat too. didn't either. No. You know, and well, I, but there's there's a certain point where you you know like. This is They're too big. Do, do they need to? Stuff. Right? Like, like I mean, the, just because the bats didn't talk when they showed up in this doesn't mean they can't. It just means they didn't. Yeah, that's true. Um, <coughs> I don't think the Barbarian Raiders and other comics really have, like, a whole lot to say before they attack the, <laughs> the, the colony yeah. of Rick Templar. Pillage. Yeah. This is true. This From true. A, anyway. I mean, we've, we've talked about the art a lot. I'm, I want to say that I'm, I really enjoy the way that it's written. Mm. Um, it, at times... I don't want to use the word pretentious. Pretentious is the wrong phrase, but it's the it's what I think of when I think of some of the some of the dialogue and some of the stuff tends to be a little haughty, a little like, heavy-handed, very like super high fantasy, like these and thous and blah blah blahs, uh, and that carries into the dialogue. But that doesn't. Um, that's part of I think what. I liked about it was that it was it, it is a very classical high fantasy story. Mm. Um, yes. The thing that the thing that gets me about it though is that I wonder, and uh, th- this is going to be my requisite negative thing to say on every show. Because I wonder if everything. this because I hate it everything. Does. I wonder if this story would have been as interesting if it hadn't been mice. If I don't think if so. Brian Jail Glass took this exact same script. Which you could fairly easily do, and set it amongst humans with a barbarian raiding party instead of rats and political intrigue in a regular human kingdom and some fantastical monsters and stuff, but just displays our beast as opposed to a cat, right? And but just then had humans. Would it be as interesting? No, I I think it wouldn't have enough. I think it would have the the, uh, the like richness of the translations of all of the um, lore. I mean, I mm-hmm. think the lore is solid, but it's more interesting because it, it's translated into a somewhat unfamiliar arena. I mean, the whole section in the back of the first trade really delves into, and of course, did I read it? No, but they <laughs> skimmed it. Um, delves into like all of the different um, world, well, mm-hmm. fairly limited part of the world, but still all of the different like myths and legends that Brian Joel Glass was researching and taking off of um, and what all of his stuff was based off of. A lot mm-hmm. of Celtic mythology, a lot of Norse mythology. Okay, um, okay that, now that was, that, that leads into a question that I had. Isn't this just the search for the, the grail? Because hmm. because the, the I don't think there's a quest object, but it is a very classical. Hero yeah, where where during during that story for the Knights of the Round Table, they all had to search for the Grail because the kingdom was falling apart, and the ty- Templars went out and they were they were destroyed. And so there was one there was one lonely apprentice temp, uh, uh, squire that had gone out, uh, but I can't remember his freaking name. I Steve. No, I, I don't. Bob? I think I don't think it was Tristan. It might have been Percival or something like that. He went out. It wasn't Percival. Because Percival was one of the knights, right? So he was one of the squires, and he went out to search for the grail, and he was the only one to find it when all the other Templars had 
and died. And died. And it, that's what it seems like a lot that this is taking from that whole journey quest and trying to to regain the glory of the this kingdom that has fallen. And I think that's one of the reasons why they made it mice, because if you would have made it humans, then it just would have been a, a retelling, a rehash. A, a rehash of that story, like, oh, we've seen it before, and the, nobody would read it. But I mean, in, in the back, he does delve into, like, specific parallels, not only to Arthurian stuff, but to, like, Star Wars. So it's that's like, where I was going. hero's this journey. so Star Wars. Hero's journey. Yeah. You just need, you know, Uncle Ben... To die early on, fucking Which replace is, the sword with a lightsaber. Well, what about the uh, blacksmith that yeah, died Dacia. early uh-huh. on, who was no, no, his no, no, caretaker? No, no, you need actually Uncle Ben to die. Like <laughs> he needs to go up to see the burning bodies. Oh, okay. Is, that would be pilot, papers. right? No, that was Ben Kenobi. I'm sorry, yes. Owen, Uncle Pilot. Owen, not Uncle Ben. Jesus. That is one of the things no, that... Uncle Ben was Spider-Man. That is one of the things that <laughs> confused me a little bit when I read this, that about this, the way the story progresses. And it's an interesting twist, but um, when, when Pilot is, I guess, sort of revealed at the end as maybe not as altruistic as he claims to be early in the story. And, you know, they they get... Um, Carrick fucks up and gets them kicked out of the ash tree uh, where the Templars... where the remnants of the Templars are residing. And um, and then they basically paint Pilot as, as a deceiver, as someone who has been kicked out of the order. Heretic. And... Um, and then... What? They what? they boot him. They get booted out because because Carrick interferes, and then and then Pilot turns on him and basically is like, "This was my one chance, and you fucked it up." And I'm a little confused about the purpose of that because I'm not exactly. It doesn't exactly come across that he is actually like. Um, We're not sure if he's really evil. Yeah. Or not. It but, would sort of be like Obi Wan Kenobi. You killed my mom. Wait. Whoa, I feel weird about this now. So Pilot is actually the only character I like because of the character development and because it's not something I expect. The yeah. uh, I don't know why, and especially at that moment where he's being actually much more self-serving, and I didn't expect that. He's been very helpful, very wants to help, wants to do this other stuff. He knows there's some bad, but you don't know what the bad is. Now you're finding out the bad, and you're like... So is he actually trying to get back in, or is he just trying to be self-serving? You don't know, and you won't find out until you get back to pilot later on. And we haven't gotten there yet with the book. Mm-hmm. But I like it, because everybody else, I've totally... Yep, that he's going to do that. Yep, he's going to do that. Yeah. Yep, he's going to do that. Pilot's the only one I've been like, well, now I'm confused, which is that's, good. That's Yeah, I yeah. agree. So it's, it's a new take on it. So wait, pilot doesn't die? Uh, we don't take, know. He's taken away by the bats. Yeah, it's very likely in reality he yeah. be ta- he would be dead. But yeah. this is comic book land. Yeah, nobody Gene ever Gray's dies. Back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there were probably fruit bats too. So <laughs> <laughs> of course, he, right? The bats they carried me off to a lush tropical island and fed me bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, overall I still really really like uh, mice Templar. Um, it's it's very dense, which mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of dialogue. I think oh, yeah. I like that. There's not enough comics that have this type of density. Yeah. that aren't just like text walls. Yes, yeah. I we were talking about the inability to differentiate the characters earlier, but I actually um, when you sit it, it, the density of the dialogue and the density of, of the sheer number of characters and some of the way the characters are designed, it feels like this is a comic that forces you to pay attention to it. It, it you can't you can't really read it and understand it if you're distracted. You have to sit down and like focus on it and be able to get you know, kind of bury yourself in it. And I like that. I like the I like the fact that it's something that you. You know, it's not just a throwaway. Mm-hmm. It's there's there's layers to it that you can learn and you can you can get deeper into it. And it's something that you wouldn't expect from a comic about mice with swords. Um, I definitely have heard this described as the grown up version of Redwall, and I think that's true because it is a lot more complex and mm. meaty. Yeah, than- the first time <laughs> when you see the story at the beginning, and you're like, and everything's just kind of a happy, happy village, and they're showing you know people learning stuff, and there's stuff about the Templars, and yeah. they're an old 
something, and then all of a sudden everything's it's like fucked. everything's on fire, and fucking rats and and mice, mice are getting dying. mice are getting their heads chopped the off, I, I, and yeah. oh Jesus With Christ! With the beheading, when yeah. they're like, "Hey, we're being it yeah. was like, "Whoa!" And they actually beheaded the rats. Beheaded one of them. I was like, "Wow, this is not." Yeah, it's and got, then the blacksmith gets yeah. stabbed like by thirty six guys from behind <laughs> and then lifted up. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen, like, paid attention to that panel, but there's at least seven hundred swords sticking out of his chest. So seven hundred, but literally seven, which is really unusual because um, there's two guys behind him. Did you I just correct Andy's here? exaggeration? Yes, I did. Uh, good job. I think that might actually be a reference to the tarot. I could be wrong about that. The um, Seven of really. Swords? Yeah, because isn't that the one that, like, there's one... No, that might be the Ten of Swords, actually. Maybe I'm bullshit. I thought it was there's a reference. There's one with, a uh, like, a bunch of swords sticking in the in the guy's back, and it's very, like, weirdly overblown. Why are that many swords in the guy's back? I'm just trying to figure out, like, did guys, like, pull out extra swords from, like, sheaths hidden in their ass? <laughs> yes. And, like, stabbing you through the back. Just keep standing there. It's your special back stand. Stabbing, <laughs> stabbing you. Still stabbing. They're, they're tail swords. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, right. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, Definitely 18, an overexaggeration. Okay. <laughs> Everyone grab a sword. And lift. lift. <laughs> it yeah. seems that he's really light when we distribute his weight over 500 people. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of this book, so uh, I, I I'll start off by borrow burn by saying bye. I think it's 100 percent worth uh, picking up, especially the hardcover version. It's very nice. It's uh, Looks really good. It's got a lot of the the back matter is really cool. It's got, like Ian said has a lot of back matter with a uh, extra cover artwork, a lot of uh, story about the mythology and stuff. So um, the hard covers are really awesome. If you ever have a chance, by the way, if you're ever at a comic convention, have a chance to get this book um, and talk to Brian Jail Glass. Uh, he is one of the nicest comic creators I've ever met. The guy is just super friendly. He's willing to sit and just talk about his stuff. He's super enthusiastic about Mice Templar and about the other stuff he's working on. Really, really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But if if we're going buy, borrow, burn, it's an instant buy for me. So what about you, Shoot? Uh, I actually do not recommend the buy. Uh, I felt like there was too much formulaic. I thought I there's too many mistakes or too many basic mistakes on the on the art. So I was, but I do recommend a read if you can borrow from Luke. Okay, <laughs> from me. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, I would go for um, buy unless you really hate animal stories, in which case borrow. Okay. I think it's absolutely worth reading. But I think it's real pretty. But if you didn't like Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, you should probably not buy it. Right, this. right. <laughs> and if if you liked it, then you should absolutely buy it. Yeah. Joel? And actually spoke to me because I don't like animal stories. So I would, <laughs> I would borrow it. I would even come close to, to burning it. But, you know, I can't, I can't do that. You just don't like it? I, I just don't like I don't like animal stories. I Fox and the Hound fucked it up for me for the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I came I came from an age of like Fox and the Hound, Old Yeller, Rats and Nim, all those whenever there's an animal is like, oh, people are gonna die. It's gonna, it's be, it's gonna be bad. Yeah. Charlotte's Web. Because yeah. they exactly. can get away Ex- with killing off animal characters in a way that they can't get away with killing off people characters exactly. and stories for children. Exactly. So and this is how we introduce death to children. Yes. And it scarred me for life. So <laughs> I, I would borrow. I, I can't burn a book. I'm not that fascist, but <laughs> go ahead. Except Andy. for uh, Coley Terror. Oh, it's my third favorite animal story book. Behind? Black Sad, Mouse Guard, Mouse okay. Templar. And it's not like those are the only three things that I can think of. Sure. Of, but it's, there, there's enough animal Black Sad is Black Sad's pretty pretty fucking high. Yeah, as far as anthropomorphic anthropomorphic stories go, it is really, really well done. Um, The only reason that I put Mouse Guard above it is because I read Mouse Guard first. I think that if I would have read them the other way around, that I would compare Mouse Guard to this. Yeah, Um, maybe. I, I can't say one way or the other, though. I think it is a resounding buy, though. So I I find it kind of interesting because I was the same way. The Mandarin being Ben Kinsley sounds kind of stupid. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. It his doesn't bother is, me. His voice is so cool. I don't give a shit. I know, and it doesn't it doesn't bother me because Ben like he, Kingsley could pull off damn near anything. Ben Kingsley could pull off steel. <laughs> well, okay. it's the same thing. Same thing that I'll bring up. Uh, 
that's you know people are going ape shit over the new Lone Ranger movie about fucking Johnny Depp playing Tonto. Uh, I have and, issues with that. I am part of ape shit. Uh, you know, it doesn't. Uh, I'm John, fine with Johnny them Depp making Tonto, Tonto badass, but why the hell Johnny Depp? Yeah. Because it's directed by Gore Verbinski, which I mean, isn't a good enough reason. No, but y- you know I, the thing. Because I people will go it. see a Johnny Depp movie. People will not go see a Lone Ranger movie. Yep. And unfortunately, that is the reason, and that's a stupid reason that is sucky and stupid. Yep. I can understand I, I can understand Smart. just having inherent problems with... Yeah. I can understand just people having general problems with Johnny Depp pay, playing Tonto. That's fine. But the problems that I keep hearing on the net are the typical bullshit about why couldn't you get a Native American person to play Tonto. I don't think that's bullshit. I... I don't think it's, but the problem is when people start calling it inherently racist. It is inherently racist. It is not racist. inherently racist. We live Why? in an inherently racist society. <sighs> it's not I'll inherently racist. It up for <laughs> Let's just put it there. I'll just put it down right there. I don't. And I think that white people are so afraid of calling shit racist that. Speaking of racist, yeah. Joel. Oh, Joel, your racist <laughs> moment. Oh, oh yeah, we got to hear the racist story. <laughs> okay. So good. Racist moment. Okay. I get to watch I, everything come together now. <laughs> so, so one more one more thing before the racist moment. Another cool thing is the Mandarin, I guess, how he has his tin rings. I guess the rings are going to be his syndicate rings as opposed to actual power rings, which sounds kind of interesting. So, like, uh, when Iron Man got captured by the terrorists, that was one of the Mandarin's rings, this terrorism. Ah. Which sounds kind of cool, because rings... Is that like Pearl Scout merit badges, but for evil? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Okay, so racist moment. So, Andy and I were at the Card Kingdom uh, a week ago, and I saw two people, two people sitting down at the table playing playing a, a board game. And one was a white blonde guy with glasses, and the other one was a a, a white brunette girl. And I was like, "Hey, there's there's Mike and Anne, you know, because I know you guys go to Card Kingdom." <laughs> and Andy, Andy sitting there and looking is like, "My my eyes aren't so good, but I don't I don't think that's them." It's like, "Oh yeah, it's them. let's go over and say hi." And we walked up to the table, and I looked down. I was like, "Nope, not them." <laughs> and I had to walk away. Really awkward. I was like, "Hey, oh." Okay. It so, was amazing awesome. because I'm sorry. I was like, whatever, we all I was like 20 feet away and I'm like, I don't think, well, the guy's got glasses that are similar to mine. No, no, that's okay. Let's go. I mean, <laughs> my eyes are maybe worse than, and we walk over and Joel's like, oh, and just turns around and walks <laughs> off. And I'm like, yeah, well, wow. Yeah. I'm so, so happy that I got to be part of this moment. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, the. The stereotype is true. You guys all look alike. Uh, so for the next show, we're going to go with Andy's uh, suggestion of Flex Mentallo. Fuck yes. yes. Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely, uh, the the team that brought us All-Star Superman. Um, and uh, the show after that, we've got, we're going to do uh, Anne's suggestion of Secret Six, uh, uh, Gail Simone book with uh we're with shit in it with stuff it's the one that i've never actually read i've never i don't i don't even know anything about it so it'll be good i can read something new um we will figure out further shows after that later on whatever but for the next two shows we got flex mentallo and secret six coming up um uh does anybody have anything else they wanted to touch on before we uh wrap the show up go pick up profit number 30 um one of my buddies has the story in the back um, it's just a, I think it's a little six page thing. Go read profit number 30 in the shop, but don't actually pay for it because then you'll be funding terrorism. Will so, you? Really? Yeah. Rob Liefeld. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. We know my feelings. I already dropped profit just because I can't, I will not give money to Liefeld anymore. Man, there's so. other good books that you're going to stop reading. That makes me so sad. Uh, what? Extreme? Don't does? tell him. It's not image. It's extreme. So okay, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm going with shoot. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, you can check out our other podcast. The After the Fact podcast is about classic video games. Uh, you can get it on Geekerific right alongside the Trade Secrets podcast. We're doing Rocket Knight next, right? We're doing Rocket Knight Adventures next as a Je- Sega Genesis game. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Gives us more listeners. Gives us stuff on iTunes. Help us out a lot. Re- re- review us on Zoom if you listen to us on Zoom. I don't even, you know. I really just got to take that out because it, nobody's listening to us on Zoom other than Snicker, Snicker, Snicker. and. 
and we know he's listening to us on Zoom, and that's all that really matters. Um, you can follow the group of us on Twitter. The main show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod, and uh, we post show announcements and information on there. Uh, you can follow me at Geek Elite. You can follow Anne at Anne Bean Tweets. You can Tweet follow, me if you want my comic. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can follow Joel. What, what's your, your comic is called? The, the Bird, Bird and, and the, the sausage. sausage, and it's a, a very nice, nicely printed comic. It's uh, awesome. Anne Bean wrote it. She's it's working on several art by Ben Horback. Grim Horak. Horback. Horback. Ben Horak, well thank done. you. Um, <laughs> That's how you pronounce his yeah. last name. <laughs> uh, you can follow Joel on Twitter at Superfly spelled weird. Uh, you can follow Andy on what? It's it's spelled phonetically. S o o p e r p h l y. P h is not phonetic. Huh. Yeah, technically, <laughs> it, the phoneme for p h is. F- <sighs> English oh snap! Oh screw oh. it! Whatever. Best uh, of the degree. And being author and grammar Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's at Mathtastrophe. Do you have a Twitter account? Shoot. Nope. You don't have a Twitter I account. Do not own a Twitter account. Wow. Dinosaur. I am such a dinosaur. Fucking luddite. Uh, <laughs> With your you blargs can... and your twats. <laughs> I have to call back. I have to compete with Twitter all the time for candidates. I don't want to tweet, uh, compete with them. For- <laughs> uh, you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast. Um, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us at trade secrets at or you can hit us up on our Facebook Facebook page or you can tweet at us. Uh, if we get questions or comments or anything, we will read them on the show and you can be part of the show with us. Uh, we have not gotten any uh, entries into our contest. Oh, so yeah. what I'm going to do is the next episode when we record this, I am literally just going to read the code for the uh, um, for the free copy of of Cullen Bunn's The Sixth Gun. It's just going to be riveting when you're like and, AR7 yep, I'm going to read it off really B. fast and then if somebody gets it, then uh, that's awesome. Hopefully they'll tweet at us that they got it, but whatever. That's what it's going to be. So, uh, thank you Andy for joining us this morning on the on the show. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Joel. You're welcome. Sup. <laughs> thank you, Anne, for being welcome. with us. And Matt, thank you for coming all the way from California just to join Ow! us on Trade Secrets. Woo-hoo. And thank you, Luke, for running the show again. I am Luke. This has been episode 35 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, and we're out. Make it harder, make it better, do it faster, makes us stronger, all than ever.